0: This is Morgan Beatty speaking for Alka-Seltzer, bringing you News of the World Night Special. Tonight, Washington exclusive, preview of the Marshall Plan by detail. London, by election with a meaning all its own. Vancouver, drama and tragedy on the shores of the Pacific Northwest. Hollywood, preview of Santa Claus. More scandal in high places. Those are the headlines. I'll be back in a moment with News of the World. How about it, friends? Everything all set for the big Thanksgiving feast tomorrow? Well, let's have a look at that market basket.
1: In 1947, Humphrey Bogart signed a new Warner Brothers contract. It gave him limited script refusal and the right to form his own production company. He and Bacall soon made the thriller Dark Passage, based on the 1946 novel of the same name by David Goodis. Critics gave the film, and Bogart's performance, mixed reviews, but generally praised Bacall and the cinematography. By November of 1947, Nearly 11 million babies had been born in the U.S. since the end of World War II. Movie attendants bombed, dropping nearly a half billion sold tickets in one year. Young parents were staying home with their children. The 47-48 season had the largest radio audience in history. Homes with radios jumped 6%. Car radios, 29%. The major networks, NBC, CBS, ABC, and the mutual broadcasting system, added nearly 150 new affiliates. All but 3% of the nation's AM stations were now linked to one of the major networks. Their revenue topped $200 million.
0: And here are signs of our time. New York, James C. Petrillo has lifted a
1: Union ruling... On the eve of Thanksgiving, as NBC broadcast News of the World with Morgan Beatty, the United States was a country in transition. World War II had created fundamental changes in society. While men of all races and creeds were overseas spilling the same colored blood, women had taken charge of the workforce. When veterans collected enough points for an honorable discharge, they returned home with different ideals and what we now call PTSD. As new cars, roads, and homes brought young families to the suburbs, racial discrimination came to the forefront in the face of the GI Bill, where a much higher percentage of white Americans we're having their applications accepted.
0: The special Edition of News of the World presents tonight a complete preview of the long-range Marshall Plan, nearly a week before it goes to Congress. The overall plan as advertised is 16 to 20 billion dollars spread over 4 years. Now, the breakdown.
1: Americans were organizing in the year after VJ Day, more than 5 million struck for better wages and benefits. This debilitated key sectors of the economy and stifled production. Consumer goods were slow to appear on shelves and in showrooms, frustrating Americans who desperately wanted to purchase items they'd forsaken during the war. It caused the largest inflation rise in the country's modern history, in the Taft-Hartley Act, limiting the power of labor unions. President Truman was seemingly at odds with Congress over every domestic policy, and his approval rating sank to 32%.
0: Truman Marshall aid will be proposed next week by the president to the tune of $7.5 billion. About half of this will be in the form of outright grants to the 16 nations of Western Europe. There will be $300 for China, a stopgap fund.
1: The U.S. war debt topped $240 billion 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 billion. Because the nation emerged as one of the world's leaders, America was expected to have the largest hand in rebuilding Europe. On the eve of Thanksgiving, news outlets reported that in order to stabilize Europe, Americans should be ready to resume sacrifices they made during the war.
0: There will be a principle, however,
1: Not agreeing to do so could result in political enemies taking over the continent. The changing world stoked people's fears. Anti-communism was abound. On Monday, November 24th, the House Committee on Un-American Activities declared a list of 10 unfriendly witnesses who refused to answer questions about alleged communist influence in Hollywood.
0: The House Un-American Activities Committee has jarred Hollywood to its very foundations. If the actions of the bigwigs among the movie makers is any gauge, here's W.W. Chaplin in
2: New York. Ten movie writers and directors were laid off without pay today after being declared in contempt of Congress for refusing to tell the Un-American Activities Committee whether they are communists or no. Half a hundred ranking executives of all the major studios announced that the ten who won't talk are discharged or suspended until they are acquitted or purge themselves of contempt by swearing that they are not communists.
1: Bogart, who'd been questioned and cleared the first time the committee came to Hollywood, organized the committee for the First Amendment. He felt HUAC was abusing its power, harassing writers and actors, and went to Washington to state his case.
2: companies agreed not to employ any communists knowingly in the future. Any they find already on the lots, they'll fire
1: offhand. Bogart was later forced to recant to counter negative publicity. He wrote an article for PhotoPlay magazine in March of 1948 entitled, I'm No Communist. In it, he said, the ten men cited for contempt by HUAC weren't defended by us. Part of the reason for the article was head of Warner Brothers' Jack Warner, who was the first person to volunteer testimony before HUAC in September of 1947. Bogart's next Warner Brothers film, *The Treasure of Sierra Madre*, was to be written and directed by John
2: Huston. Of course, I have memories of, of Bogie that uh, are evoked when any one of the of the six pictures I made with him are, are mentioned. There was also *Key Largo* and *Treasure of the Sierra Madre*.
1: Houston and Bogart were liberal Democrats, but they knew better than to commit career suicide. The film was critically praised, but ticket sales were lukewarm. He received four Oscar nominations, winning three, Best Supporting Actor for Walter Houston and Best Director and Best Screenplay for John Houston. It's been long held that Bogart should have been nominated as Best Actor, but his involvement against HUAC led to the snub. The Lux Radio Theater adapted the treasure of Sierra Madre on April 18, 1949.
0: Lux presents Hollywood. Lever Brothers Company, the makers of Lux Flakes, bring you the Lux Radio Theater starring Humphrey Bogart and Walter Houston in The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. William Keeley.
2: Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight's play is an exciting, dramatic story of a man's greed for gold. It was one of the really fine motion pictures of recent years. The Warner Brothers hit, the treasure of the Sierra Madre. And tonight, we present the original stars of the film, Humphrey Bogart and Walter Huston, the latter in the role that won him an Academy Award. If housewives had the equivalent of an Academy Award to bestow, I believe most of them would give that award to Lux Flakes. They're accustomed to its fine performance, and Lux Flakes keeps up the record year after year. Our stars are on stage, and here's the curtain for the treasure of the Sierra Madre, starring Humphrey Bogart as Dobbs, and Walter Houston as Howard. First time I come up with it was in Tampico. That's a seaport town. Tampico, northeast Mexico. I was having a beer near the docks when they came in. Hot Sunday afternoon. Are you a fellow American? Yeah, that's right, mister. What do you want? I want to know about a guy named McCormick. You ever hear of him? McCormick? McCormick. Oh, yeah, yeah, in the oil business. That's right, oil. Have you seen him lately? Where can we find him? If I was you, gentlemen, I'd run clear, McCormick. Hires a crew to work in the oil field, field see? Then he never pays him off. <laughs> Slick. <laughs> Slick like oil. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I don't mean to tell me he's hooked two smart fellow Americans like you. <laughs> that's right, Pop. Six <laughs> weeks in the oil fields, 120 in the shade. Only I ain't through with Mr. McCormick. Fred C. Dobbs is going to get his wages, see? Come on, Dobbs, let's have a beer. Oh, I could hear them talking at the bar, drifters, both of them. Not what you call good friends, either, just a couple of guys that happened to wind up in Tampico. Yeah, just like me. Only difference is they're young. <laughs> yeah, I see them again that night. They came wanted in the flop house, 50 centavos for a bed. Me? I'm sitting up talking to a couple of sailors. The subject of the conversation is gold. Hey, Pop, you mean there's gold here in Mexico? <laughs> <laughs> Not 10 days from this very spot. Whole mountain of golds waiting for the right guy to come along, discover a treasure, and then tickle her until she lets them have it. <laughs> Question is, are you the right guy? Tell me something. Why is gold worth some uh, twenty bucks an ounce? Mm, I don't know, Pop. Because it's scarce, I guess. A thousand men say go searching for gold. After six months, one of them's lucky. One out of the thousand. Now, his find represents not only his own labor, but that of 999 others to boot. That's uh six thousand months or five hundred years scrubbing over mountains going hungry and thirsty. An ounce of gold, mister, is worth what it is because of the human labor that went in to find the getting of it. Yeah, never thought of it just like that. Well, there's no other explanation, mister. You start out to you tell yourself you'll be satisfied with 25,000 handsome smackers worth of <laughs> So help my Lord and cross my heart. Fine resolution. After months of sweating yourself, dizzy, and grown short on provisions and finding nothing, you finally come down to 15,000 and 10. Finally, say, Lord, let me just find $5,000 worth and never ask for anything more the rest of my life. $5,000 is still a lot of (laughs) dough. Yeah, yeah, here in this joint seems like a lot, but I tell you, if it was to make a real strike, you couldn't be dragged away. Not even the threat of miserable death could keep you from trying to add 10,000 more. Get 10, you want 25. 25, you want to get 50. 50, 100. (laughs) Like roulette. One more turn, you know, always one more. It wouldn't be that way with me. Oh, hello, mister. You didn't find McCormick, huh? I'll find him. But about gold, I swear it wouldn't be that way with me. i take only what I set out to get, even if there was still a half a million dollars lying around, just waiting to be picked up. I have dug for gold all over the world. I know what gold does to a man. You talk as if you once struck it rich. How about it, Pop? Yeah, what are you doing in here, a down and outer? That's the gold, mister. That's what it makes of us. Never knew Prospector yet that died rich. Sure, I'm an odd old bone now, but say, don't you guys think the spirit's gone? I'm all set to shoulder a pick-and-shovel any time anybody's willing to share expenses. Well, i bet you are. I'd rather go by myself. Going alone's loans the best way. He's got to have a stomach for loneliness. On the other hand, going with a partner, too, is dangerous. Murder's always lurking about. Partners accusing each other of all sorts of meanness. So why should finding gold make a man any different? If he's the right kind of a man to start with. Gold ain't going to change him. You ever tried running her down, mister? Ever tried prospecting? No, no, I ain't. <laughs> you didn't have the answer to that. <laughs> yeah, I knew that answer. Yeah. <laughs> You know it all, Pop. <laughs> well, I think I'll go to sleep and dream about piles of gold growing bigger and bigger and bigger. A week later, I see them again, Dobbs and Curtin, all lumps and bloodied up. Looking for me, they were, something to tell me. Uh, they take me to a cantina and put a bottle of beer under my nose. We found McCormick, Pop. Yeah, and it looks like you found a peck of trouble, too. Well, we got our wages, every last penny. Yeah, we've been thinking. Why not try digging gold for a change? Well, it ain't any riskier than waiting around here for a break. And this is the country where the nuggets of gold are just crying for you to take them out of the ground and make them shine on coins. Now the fingers and necks are swell dames. <laughs> Well, that's what you said the other night, wasn't it? Yeah, what's so funny? <laughs> living out in the open is cheaper than living in town. Our money would last longer. Yeah, sure it would, sure. Only you have to have equipment. Ever think of that? How much that all cost? Well, we uh, we figured we'd ask you. We ain't denying anything. When you come right down to it, we don't know much much about prospecting. Of course, if, uh, if you wasn't so old... Uh, maybe, you'd, uh, maybe I'd go with you, huh? Is that what you're, what's on your mind? Uh, you want to take me long? Or would you go? <laughs> would I? <laughs> Say, what a question. Of course I'll go. Any time, any day, out for gold. Always at your service. Well, I got 200 American bucks ready cash. Last money I got in the world. How much do you guys got to put in? 150 bucks curtain here has the same total 500 ain't hardly enough to buy the tools weapons and essential provisions what do we need guns for well for one thing meat for another thing bandits bandit countries where would be gone we ought to have uh, 600 bucks between us well, that much huh can't dig up anymore huh not a red cent senor senor jobs i look all over for you give me my money senor give me my money get away. get away from me will you senor you don't comprehend you comprehend a glass full of beer right in your kisser if you don't leave me alone Tell you, I don't want any lottery tickets. Now beat it. Lottery tickets? <laughs> oh, that's for gambling man. <laughs> but always whoever wins a lucky number gives a seller a present of 10%. Hey, wait a minute. What are you talking about? Dubs. He's trying to tell you he he sold you the winning ticket. Here, look. The least of all the winning numbers. You buy ticket for five centavos, remember? Two, three weeks ago? Yeah, yeah, I remember. What about it? You win, senor. A 200 peso prize. Give me that paper. Oh, just look at that fat, rich printed number. You got the ticket? Sure, I got the ticket. Oh, 200 pesos. Welcome, sweet little smackaroos. Here, son, here's a present for you with my blessing. Go to the Get the money. Well, congratulations. Congratulations yourself. You stand a profit out of this the same as I do. How do you figure that? But did he just say we needed 600 bucks? Well, that's what we got now, ain't it? Yes, sir. Just like that. Stroke of fate. Fortunate circumstance. But how come you're putting up for me? Because this is an all or nothing proposition. We make a fine, we'll be lighting cigars with $100 bills. If we don't, the difference between what you put up and what I put up ain't enough to keep me from being right back where I was this afternoon. Polishing the park bench with the seat of my pants. Put her there, Pardon. Thanks, Dobbs. Well, gentlemen, now here's what we do. We'll take a train to Perla, That's a little town at the foot of the Sierra Madre Mountains. There, we're there we'll buy our burrs and get away from the railroad. No use looking for gold anywhere near a railroad. <laughs> you gotta have, uh, well, we've got to go where there's no trails at all. Just bends. Now, that sounds okay to me. Okay, partner? Sure, sure. Yeah. We gotta go where no surveyor, anybody who knows anything about prospecting, has ever been there before. Well? Ha! <laughs> Drink up, gentlemen. Drink up. We'll buy a map and some railroad tickets. Bought about half our gear there in Tampica and then took the train for Perla, about 50 miles from Perla. Out in the desert, there's a big boulder on the tracks. Bandits trying to raid the train. Hey, they're retreating! Look, they're retreating! Look, they're riding off. Hey, save your bullets, Mr. Dobbs. You're too far off now. I got three of them. Credit me with three. How many did you get? A couple, I guess. Mm, Bandits, I guess they were expected. That's how come so many federal soldiers riding on this train. That bandit that rode right up to the train. The one with the gold hat. Yeah, I had my sights on him nice as you please. But the train gave a jolt and I missed him. I sure wish I could have got him. Well, you boys cooled off enough to look at this map? Huh? Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah, it ain't much of a map. don't properly show whether it's mountain or desert. That shows the makers of the map themselves don't know for sure. That's good. (laughs) Uh, What are you doing, Dobbs? Why, reloading. Can't tell if them bandits may come back. Yeah, 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 that's right. Uh, Well, wake me up when the shooting starts. I remember both of you are natives of New York. Do you miss this big town very much? No. Yes. Wait a minute. (laughs) Well, that's a nice, normal family disagreement, but tell me, don't either of you get a yen to do a Broadway play? Yes, I No. I think, I'll tell you what, I think that you're going to run into kind of a traffic jam if you ask two actors (laughs) one question. I think you better
1: take us
2: one by one. All right, I'll break it up. Put the first one to you. Have you sort of lost your appetite for playing before live audiences, Bogie? Well, I have, Ed, because I did an awful lot of it when I was a kid. I started in 21 and I was in seven smash hits in a row. I thought the world was my oyster and I came to Hollywood and uh, was a terrible flop here and then I went back to New York and was in four big flops there and I swore if I ever got to Hollywood again I'd stay here. I like it here and so I think I have lost my appetite for the Broadway theater. I think possibly maybe a little ambition because I believe that ambition belongs to youth. Later
1: in 1948, Bogart and McCall made Key Largo with Edward G. Robinson, and Bogart formed Santana Productions. One of its early missions was to develop a radio series for the couple.